0: Hello Life Changers, thank you so much for joining us. We have got an amazing word for you. So why don't you lean in, grab a notebook and pen and get ready for what God has to say to you today. Do you sometimes feel like things are never going to get better? Now, I know this is the wrong time of the year to ask that question. It's the wrong time of the year because eight days ago, the world celebrated a brand new year coming And there is a belief system that the turning of the calendar means the next year is going to be better than the last one before. Because the whole sentiment of Happy New Year is surely the year that is ahead is going to be better than what's happened before. But I just want to check with you. Do you really believe that things will be better this year? So do you imagine that 2023, everything will be great for Escom, <laughs> who's who's actually believing for? Yeah, like I, I, see the cynicism there. Um, who is believing that 2023 will be a year of victory for Bafana Bafana? <laughs> oh come on, we beat Eritrea once. You, you, do you actually believe that your problems will be solved this year? Are you believing that? like your Christian life will somehow get easier simply this year. Now, there's a part of me which does believe that because we serve a God who is a faithful God. He is a God of miracles and where he is leading us to is greater than where he is leading us from. But my problem with people believing that the new year will be better, it's not based on that. It's based on I've made my new year's resolutions. Now, there is one thing that's true of every resolution. What you're saying is the new year will be better because my resolution means I am going to be better. Do you know what the top resolutions are every year? Somebody with way too much time on their hands has actually surveyed around the world and found the top New Year's resolutions. I'll give you the top three. And most of this is from the Western world. Number one, I will lose weight, eat healthy. That's number one. Number two is that I will exercise more, get fitter. And number three is I will always live within my budget. Now, Now, by the way, they're good things. Here's the problem. They're the same top three every single year. And the reason they're the same every year is most of us don't stick to those resolutions. Now, maybe you do. Maybe you're the exception, but for most of us, um, it's exciting in the first few days of January when there's a new resolution for us. But as January ticks away, the energy just sort of drops. The gyms are full in the first week of January as all those fitness people are making their commitments. This will be the year I stick at it. <laughs> By the first week of February, it's just back to normal with everyone just fading away. And of course, if you're a Christian, there's going to be those Christian resolutions you will make. Like, I will read my Bible every day. Now, that is a fantastic resolution. Please, please make it and stick to it. Ten years ago, I actually made that resolution because the first 40 years of my Christian life it was a little bit touch and go. Yes, yes. sometimes in the Bible, sometimes too busy. And just 10 years ago, I simply decided before God that I would not let one day pass where I said to him, I love you, but today I can't be bothered listening to you. I said that to God. I'm not going to say that to you. But all those people that say, I'll read the Bible every day, it's probably still going great. But for most of us, as soon as you hit Leviticus, it gets into trouble. And you understand, it, it, it's, hard, it's, it's hard to keep going. Well, here's another Christian resolution. I am not going to go back to that sin that I kept doing last year. That temptation, that addiction, I am just never going there again, which is a great resolution but on the 8th of January, there are some people thinking I've already stuffed that up. And it can be really difficult. The resolution, I will not show up at church and walk in during the third worship song. And I'm not looking anywhere in particular as I say that. You understand, it's actually hard to do. So I want to simply raise the question how can we run free in 2023? Can I introduce you to a principle of life? This applies to nearly every situation in your life. This applies to any course of study you commence. It applies to any job, any relationship, any fitness regime, uh, any project, any hobby, any marriage. It applies to your life. In every single thing, there are two defining moments. And I need to apologize to the video team because... I'm going to have to move around a little bit now. There are two defining moments in everything you do in life. The first defining moment is called the starting line. And the second defining moment is called the finishing line. And the two lines look very similar to each other, but I want to show you they are amazingly different. Can I just show you three ways that the starting line and the finishing line are amazingly different. First difference, the starting line breeds comfort and the finishing line breeds commitment. I'll show you what I mean. I don't know what, whether you have this here, but think of it like a fun run, a community fun run. I don't mean like an ultra-marathon, but it's one of those events where the athletes show up, but family groups show up, and there's mum and dad pushing their kids in the prams. And We have these things in Sydney, and there's always some people that dress up like Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. There's always a whole lot of bearded men who dress up like Catholic nuns. Like, it's just like a fun day, and at the starting line, everybody is comfortable. Everybody is relaxed because nobody has run at all at that stage. There are people there exchanging jokes, people putting out their last cigarette before they run. The place, the starting line welcomes everybody. It is a place of comfort. If you're starting a new course of study, you've just got into high school, you've just got into university, you're starting a new course, the starting line is, is so comfortable. Before you've had your first lecture, like you can spend hours designing your study schedule because that's so much more interesting than actually studying. You, you understand, before you start anything, it's so, it's so comfortable. The starting line welcomes everybody, but the finishing line only welcomes the committed. You understand that? If you look at the finishing line of that fun run, no one's that comfortable. They're exhausted. They're panting. They've run. They've got sore muscles. They're running out of breath, but... It doesn't welcome everybody at the finishing line. It only welcomes the committed. There's the first difference. It's a place of comfort that welcomes everybody, but the finishing line is a place of commitment and it only welcomes the committed. Here's a second difference. The starting line is a place of doubt. Like Some people like a really doubtful like can I actually do this like will I make it can I win this is the starting line is when the butterflies come in like there's something new ahead of you maybe you're getting married maybe you're starting in a new job and there's a place that thinks oh am I ready for this I'm not quite sure I can do it starting line is a place of doubt But the finishing line, nobody is in doubt in the finishing line. No one's saying, oh, I wonder if I'll make it. Because you have made it. It's a place of of confidence. No butterflies and you absolutely know that you made it. Starting line is a place of doubt. Finishing line is a place of confidence. One more. The starting line can be a place of defeat. Now come on, how many people give up on something before they actually start? It's a young man wanting to get to know a young lady and they give up before they even start because they just don't think they can do it. Come on, you've seen people enroll for a study course and they pull out before it actually starts. The starting line can be a place of defeat of people who simply give up because they're thinking, I'll never make it, I'm not good enough, that test might conquer me. Whereas the finishing line is a place of victory. Nobody there is defeated. No one's saying, will this test conquer me? Everybody at the finishing line is saying, we conquered that test. Do you understand the two lines look similar? They are worlds apart. The starting line is a place of comfort, a place of doubt, a place of defeat, the finishing line is a place of uh, commitment, it's a place of confidence, and it's a place of victory. Now, here's the question. In 2023, which one of these two lines is going to define you? Those decisions you've got to make your life, will you be making them based on what's comfortable with doubt and defeat written in? Or will your life be defined by commitment and confidence and victory? Today, as we look in the Bible, wouldn't it be great just to work out how do I keep going when it's a bit tough? Wouldn't it be brilliant to discover how you can live a life for Jesus that is defined by the finishing line? Let's see if we can find out how you can run free in 2023. And I want to dive into the Bible and show you four declarations and challenge you, are you ready to make them so that you will run free in 2023? You ready for this? Just check one more time. You ready for this? Okay. If you've got a Bible there, we're in Hebrews chapter 12. Now, we will put some verses up on the screen which are for the newcomers who didn't bring a Bible with them. But seriously, if you're here every week, get your Bible out. We're going to stay in Hebrews 12, and I want you to follow along to make sure that what I'm saying is actually what God's Word says. Four declarations, and here is number one. I'm running free. Now, just so you get in the spirit of this, when we get to each declaration... I will call it out and then I'm just going to say everyone and I simply want you to repeat the words of the declaration. So I will say number one I'm running free. Everyone, can, can you shout out with enthusiasm, I'm running free. C- can you handle that? Yeah. Okay. Number one, I'm running free. Everyone? I'm running free. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1. Therefore, Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Just imagine I'm from one of those weird countries that doesn't understand how to play rugby. Never seen a rugby match in my life. And I've come here to South Africa and I've worked out, hmm, it's sort of a religion over here. Um, uh, but I know nothing about it. Now, is there somebody here who understands the basics of rugby that I can just ask a question or two just to get the basics right? Who actually understands this game and I can ask a question? Come on, just... No, you're not meant to volunteer somebody else. You're actually meant to say, hey, I'm in this. Come on, who understands rugby? I oh, oh, young Josh, I can stay, stay there. I, can, I don't understand anything about it. Can you answer my questions? Question one. If I'm on a team and someone throws me the ball, what am I meant to do? Run in a forward direction. And what if I just keep running? Am I meant to do anything else as I run? Sorry? Pass it. So if I get it, I should run and then throw it away. Should I keep, if I can, can I, should I keep running with it? Okay, and how far do I run? As far as what? A try line. So there's a line down there, and what happens when I get over the line? You just put it down, and I get points for that? Okay, thank you. Brilliant explanation. Love it. So if that's the way rugby works, then just throw me the ball all the time, and I'll just run and put it over the line, and I'll get points, and I reckon I could do that like every five minutes. Seriously, that sounds dead easy. Is it really that easy to do that? <laughs> so, <laughs> can you just throw me the ball every five minutes and I'll just run down and put it over the line? No. Well, why not? It sounds so simple. <laughs> Someone's going to try and stop me. Okay. You understand, there's the, the Springboks playing the All Blacks. And look, some of those All Blacks, like they're built like mobile refrigerators. Like, like Seriously. <laughs> And they're creaming into you and tackling you and bringing you down. Imagine trying to run a 100-meter race with a few all-blacks wrapped around you. Like, that is crazy. And yet, so many of us run the Christian life with the sin that entangles. All those things that are going to drag us down. We hang on to them, and we wonder why it is we're not getting anywhere. Imagine trying to do that. Jesus has died and defeated every one of your enemies, so why would you hang on to some of them and try and drag them along? Those sins that you know you're meant to leave behind, those temptations that you wander just a little bit too close to, those bad relationships which mean nothing good for you, why would you let that entangle you to keep bringing you down when Jesus says, I want you to run free? And, and as you look into 23, I just want to challenge you, what are you? do you need to get rid of so that you can run without that dead weight in your spiritual life? That's the first declaration I want to challenge you to make. I'm running free. Number two, I'm running to the finish. Everyone. I'm running to the finish. Go back to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore... Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. We've got to run with perseverance. We've got to keep going. We've got to say, I'm never giving up. So let's imagine it's the school athletics carnival and it's the 100-meter race. And there you are on the starting, oh, there you are on the starting block, on your marks get set. And so you're out of the blocks really fast, and about the 10-meter mark, you think, I'm winning this. At the 50-meter mark, you think, I'm still winning this. At the 90-meter mark, I'm still winning this. But in the last 10 meters, you run out of puff, and the entire field goes past, and you come last. Question. Even though you've come last, should you get some bonus points because you were winning for 90% of it? What do you reckon? Oh, you are harsh judges. Okay. Okay. The Springboks are playing the Mighty All Blacks. Now, the All Blacks get a couple of quick tries in early and they're ahead, but the Boks are keeping with them and they're, they're sort of matching them, but always behind. At the half time, the... The All Blacks have been winning the entire 40 minutes. In the second half, the All Blacks are still ahead, but the Springboks are staying within touching distance. It's the 78th minute. And the Springboks, I mean, the All Blacks have been winning for 78 minutes. And in that last 120 seconds, the box score a magnificent try, convert it, they were six points behind, they get to seven points for that, and right after the Hooter, they are declared the champions. Okay, A scenario that happens often. Now, here's the question. Should we give the All Blacks bonus points because for 78 minutes they were winning it? Okay. Do you understand the thing about running the Christian life? It's not about how you start. It's about how you finish. And some of you started your Christian lives really well, born into a loving Christian family, mum and dad that you just loved hanging out with. You always knew about Jesus. You always were involved in church. You learned about Jesus. You made a commitment to follow him. You loved getting through your teenage years. You saw kids at your schools become Christian. Some of you had incredibly good starts. Some of us didn't both Karen and I, are the first-generation Christians in our families. Some of you started with awful backgrounds and all sorts of hurt and all sorts of pain, which has given you a few extra struggles. But the great thing about Jesus is it is not how you start. It is how you finish. And that second declaration simply says, I'm running to the finish, Whatever happens, whatever obstacles are in the way, I am not giving up on my relationship with Jesus this year. That's declaration number two. Declaration number three, I'm running to Jesus. Everyone? I'm running to Jesus. We're actually getting to the next verse now. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Fixing our eyes on Jesus... The pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I hope you can see Jesus is your race. Jesus is your life. Look at verse 2. He is called the pioneer, the one who starts it, and the perfecter, the one who completes it. The Message Bible puts it this way, Jesus who both began and finished the race that we're in. The Good News Bible, Jesus on whom our faith depends from beginning to end. See, Jesus is not just some life coach running along beside you saying, come on, chaps, lift those legs, come on, you can do better. He's not just that. Jesus is your entire race. Jesus holds the starting pistol, And he holds the finishing tape. Jesus is the beginning of your life. Jesus is the completing of your life. Come on, think about it. Jesus designed your course. He plotted your path. He clears away the obstacles. He provides refreshments. He gives you the instructions. He overcomes a hurdle. He clears the path. He gets rid of the obstacles. He endures to the end. And Jesus finishes as the champion. And all you've got to do is run with him. He is with you every single step of the way. I was talking with some kids in our youth group in, in Sydney and I was encouraging our high schoolers to make a stand for Jesus at their schools and to find the other Christian students and to pray with them and to meet with them and to work as a team and this boy about 14 year old he came up and said he went to a high school a little bit further away from most of the other kids and he said Tim, I, I can't find any other Christians at my school. He said, I'm sure there's nobody in my grade who's a genuine Christian. And I've, you know, I've tried to sort of advertise, you know, let's have a meeting of Christian students. And he said, I'm the only one that shows up. He said, I honestly don't think there's anyone else here. I can't do this by myself. So I say to him, okay, let's just imagine that's true. Let's just see the team that is your high school. There's you, there's the Father, there's the Son, there's the Holy Spirit. I'm thinking that's a pretty good team. I am seriously thinking if Jesus is with you every step of the way, even though you feel alone, he is there to make it happen. He is there to lead you forward. He is there to win the victory. There is declaration number three. I'm running to Jesus. One more. Number four, I am running in victory. Everyone. I'm running in victory. Now, the writer to the Hebrews wants to talk about the journey of God's church on planet Earth. And he's going to talk in a moment about a starting line and a finishing line for God's church. Now, what events do you think he's going to go to? Let's go with the easier one first, the finishing line for God's church. God's church on planet Earth, the goal we're all working towards, the conclusion of everything, what event do you think that might be talking about? Come on, you can do it. Sorry? Let's go with heaven. Let's go with the new Jerusalem, the heavenly Mount Zion, that there will come a time where God folds up human history and calls home every one of his people to live with him forever in uh, paradise. That is the finishing line that the writer is about to talk about in the race of being a Christian. That's the finishing line. So where would you put the starting line for God's church on planet Earth? Where would you start it? If you were thinking Adam and Eve, I would give you points for that because, okay, it's kind of a small church, but it is two gathered in his name in God's presence. So I would give you marks for that. That's not where the writers of the Hebrews goes, but it's a reasonable idea. Would you go with Abraham when God calls him to be the father of a nation of his people? I'd give you bonus points for that as well, but that's not where the writer to the Hebrews goes. Jump down to verse 18, and I want to show you where the writer to the Hebrews goes when he talks about a starting line for God's church. Hebrews 12, verse 18. You have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire, to darkness, gloom, and storm, to a trumpet blast, or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further words would be spoken to them. Verse 21. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. Now, what event is that? What on earth is he talking about? Did that sound familiar to you? Exodus 19. God has rescued his people from slavery in Egypt. He's brought them through the waters of of the Red Sea and and conquered their, their enemies. He's led them through the first bit of the journey. He provides food and water, but his aim is to gather them around his mountain. They get to Mount Sinai, where God, on the mountain, gathers his people around him which is where the writer to the Hebrews is placing the starting line for this church. Now if you read Exodus 19 it's a it's kind of a frightening ordeal. God's sinful people are going to meet with a holy and perfect God who punishes sin. They can't just waltz up to him and have a cappuccino with him. Because if a sinful person comes into God's presence, you would be consumed by his holiness and his righteousness. So there's this, Mount Sinai is used, and it's covered with cloud, but they know that somewhere up there, God is going to meet with them. And there's cloud, and there's lightning, and there's thunder, and there's trumpet blasts, and it's a a terrifying thing. And people know that even if they touch the mountain, They will surely die because it's God's holy mountain. And only Moses will go up there to receive God's law, the Ten Commandments. That's the picture that he's referring to. Now, I want you to notice the four most important words in that description. Verse 18. You have not come to that mountain that can be touched, that is burning with fire, to darkness, gloom and storm. He's saying, when you said yes to Jesus, Jesus did not take you to that starting line. That's the starting line. You have not come there. Now, did you think that when you became a Christian, that's where Jesus took you? That he took you to the beginning of a journey where you're by yourself? That you've got to struggle on, that you've got to have relentless failure, you've got to fail at so many things, you've got to trip over and fall and struggle and wonder whether i will ever make it? That's where religion will take you. That's where false pastors will take you, to a place of guilt, to a place of striving, to a place of you've got to do it yourself and somehow eke your way to the finish. The writer clearly says in verse 18, you have not come there. Jesus did not take you there. Can I show you where Jesus took you? Verse 22. But you have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to the thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. You've come to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all. You've come to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. You've come to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant and to his sprinkled blood. That's the finishing line and The writer to the Hebrews is saying, in Christ, he has taken you there already. That is where he placed you the day you said, I'm going to follow Jesus. You don't have to strive. You don't have to map the course out. You don't have to try and work out how you might get there. Jesus has already taken you there. I was born into a church-going family. It kind of a legalistic church. There were commandments, there was rule, there was a lot of guilt. And as a boy, I simply knew I was a failure. I knew I could never be good enough. Every time I tried to be good and say, I'm never going to sin again, I failed horribly. And the first 18 years of my life, I was on a treadmill that was going nowhere because I thought that was the Christian life. My first year out of high school, some friends who went to another church down the road asked me to their youth group, and there I discovered Jesus. There I discovered that he had died on the cross for every one of my sins, that every bit of punishment I deserved, he had taken, that every bit of righteousness that I didn't have, he had, and all I had to do was to go hidden in him. And I was suddenly liberated from being on this treadmill, this spiritual treadmill, where I got nowhere. Come on, your identity is in Christ, and Christ says that your identity is in the finishing line. God does not define you by the starting line, God defines you by the finishing line. God does not keep looking back at your failures. He keeps looking ahead at the victories that he already has planned for you. 2023, here is my question. Which of these two lines will you let define you in 2023? Will you be defined by the starting line, a place of comfort, a place of doubt, a place of defeat? Or will you be defined by the finishing line, a place of commitment, a place of confidence, a place of victory? And I wanna challenge you as we look back at those four declarations. Are these declarations that you are prepared to make as you face down the barrel of 2023? Number one, I'm running free. That doesn't mean doing whatever you feel like. It simply means leaving behind the stuff that drags you back so that you can run unencumbered into the arms of Jesus. Number two, I'm running to the finish. I will never give up. Number three, I'm running to Jesus. It's not all about me. It's all about him. Number four, I'm running in victory. Jesus has won the victory and he's taken me to the finishing line can you please stand with me come on i begin I'm wondering if you are ready to make those four declarations not just because the guy at the front said it was a good idea but because you genuinely are saying to Jesus these are four declarations that I'm prepared to stand by throughout this year of 2023 and if you're going to do this I will simply call out number one and I want you to shout back with passion and enthusiasm, like your name is Mark Van Pletsen, that sort of passion. And I simply want you to shout out when I say number one, just shout out with excitement, I'm running free. And then we'll do, is that cool? I'm running free. Wow, thank you. Thank you very much. Okay, you ready? Number one, I'm running free. Number two, I'm running to the finish. Number three, Number four, let me pray for you. Father God, I pray for every person who is standing here today. I thank you that at the beginning of this new year, we see the glory that is in your son. We see the victory that he has won for us. And we see that you define us by that finishing line in a way that we could never achieve ourselves. So I pray for each individual person here, no matter what they are facing no matter how they started or how they're traveling, that this will be a year where their eyes are fixed on you, that they will know your presence, that you will fill them with your spirit, that you'll give them your strength and your comfort so that they can deal with whatever the world throws at them, but they will not take their eyes off you. They will continue right through and bring huge glory to your name as they live for you and minister in your name. Father, take every person gathered here today and those who are watching online. Take each one of us, fill us with your Spirit and lead us forward so that we run this race in a Christ-like way and achieve the victories that He has already won for us. And everybody said. Thank you so much for joining us. If you would like to take your next step or find out what is happening in the life of the church, head over to our website or follow us on social media. Cheers.